wait a minute. You're dead. You'll be dead for 30 years. saw the entire dead portion of the Pillsbury family of oh. Doughboy fame. <laughs> That's funny. They're just in the ground, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> encased in dough. So, welcome to episode 10 of Boo Ha Ha. I know what number the episode is now. <laughs> I'm back from St. Paul. I didn't die. Hooray. That we know of. Yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dead yet. This is very good because I'm here with Kelly Richardson Hello. of uh, Bugaboo. Yes. Bugaboo. A- another spooky podcast. Yes. But we talk about how scared we are of everything. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Because um, it's everything. Yeah. No, uh, everything is terrifying, especially right now. Yeah. And there's the cat harassing the guest. I love it. You don't get to sip people's <laughs> waters. It's okay. I get it. It's hot. She's thirsty, too. (laughs) I don't know. I dropped enough ice cubes when I was putting that drink together that she has plenty to work with. Yeah. So because, uh, well, in honor of uh, Bugaboo and trying to keep some semblance of a theme to these episodes, I have chosen a collection of things related to my biggest fears. Okay. uh, Which include, but are not limited to, (laughs) being buried alive, Mm -hmm. things living in the walls. People in mascot costumes outside of theme parks. Yeah. And being touched by strangers. Yes. Hard agree on all of those. Uh, when I was a little kid, my cousin, who uh, made me watch The Shining when I was seven and did not ruin me at all, uh, <laughs> used to put a rubber Dracula mask on and oh. just pop out at me and stare at me when I was asleep until I woke up. Uh, so for the longest time, I hated people in masks full stop Mm -hmm. me too i was so afraid around halloween time Mm. that i wouldn't go near that aisle at the store oh yeah no it still kind of freaks me out me too and then i did not participate in trick-or-treating when i was like seven eight or nine years old. oh man those are the prime years i know it's the perfect (laughs) trick-or-treat years but i was too scared i couldn't do it (laughs) i was actually talking to my mom about it today and i didn't go trick-or-treating several years because i went to a catholic school uh, me too. Where they um, set up a party on Halloween to keep us from trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. The devil's activity. Yeah. But it was an all-saints party where you were encouraged to dress up like a saint. Uh, we had the exact same thing. And being me, I dressed up as uh, St. Lucia uh, at least once and just carried around like a martini glass full of chocolate eyeballs. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> Little lady. Like to Little pick the... Saint. I mean, all of the, the good saints died horrifically, but yeah, <laughs> I couldn't get away with Saint oh, Agnes. She's the one that got her tits cut off. Oof, I don't remember. Mm. I have the worst memory. <laughs> I was always Saint Francis because it was just easy. The nun? No, of he's Cece. a boy of a CC. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. The bird man. Which made people very angry because they're like, but you're a girl. You can't do that. And I was like, but it's easy. You just throw on a brown robe and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care. I already have a costume. <laughs> I don't need two costumes. Yeah. Now that I think about it, most of my saint costumes consisted of a color of very simple floor length dress that my mother sewed and mm-hmm. then an accessory. Yeah. With a rope. Yeah. That's yeah. Because we don't really know what the martyrs dress like. 
right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> deep childhood dramas. Yeah. So yeah, I have a couple of stories relating to things that scare me, and now I'm going to read them to you. <laughs> awesome. I'm into it. As is the format of the show. So the first one is the story of Julia Laguerre. Um, and this is taken from, I realized a couple episodes ago that it's more fun to read shitty things that other people have written than to try to make them readable by myself. So yeah. this is taken from EdistonBeach.com, which I think is a tourism site. So they really like sprinkled some come visit us dust on this story. <laughs> uh, when the golden beams of the sun's light shone through the Spanish moss draped trees at the Edisto Island Presbyterian Church, it's easy to think that a slow moving shadow was just that. A shadow, but maybe it was something else. <laughs> They're like, check us out at shadow.com. <laughs> as far as ghost stories go on the island, the Presbyterian Church, or more specifically, its graveyard, is home to one of the most popular haunts around. Did they do a survey? <laughs> uh, this is the story of Julia Laguerre. Uh, back in the mid-1800s, Julia was visiting family on the island. She became ill and slipped into a coma, like you do on vacation. Yes. Um, her family anxiously awaited the day she would wake up, but that day never came. The family physician declared the young girl dead. Keep in mind, 1800s. Yeah. She probably looked dead. It's kind of like if it quacks like a duck. Yeah, yeah. Like a duck. Um, the child... Okay, so as I have read the story... Uh, they do not specify how old she was, but in the next several sentences, it makes it sound like she was like five, but I know for a fact she was like 20. Oh. Uh, the child was lovingly dressed for her funeral where loved ones would pay her one last goodbye, or so they thought. In those days, long before the deceased were treated with embalming fluids to preserve the body before burial... The ceremonial, ceremonial activities surrounding death were conducted at a rapid pace in order to avoid the inevitable decomposition. Poor Julia was buried on the same day of her death after loved ones had a chance to pay their respects. So she was alive and then they embalmed her. They didn't embalm her. This is before embalming. Oh, okay. So okay. they declared her dead. Everyone cried a little bit and then they hauled her off. Yeah. Uh, her little body, direct quote, was taken from the church and interred in the family mausoleum. After she was placed inside the crypt, the marble door was closed and securely locked, providing a sense of finality to the tragic death of the child. Again, in her 20s. Yeah. Julia's family went on with their lives as best they could after suffering the loss of a child so young. She was only going to live to be like 35. This is like 1850. Right. So she was a full adult. She was like old. Uh, and in the time, the pain of her death was replaced by happy memories from her life. After 15 years had gone by, another, another death in the family required the mausoleum to be opened. It was then that the family realized what a tragic error they had made. Oh, no. How did they find out? <laughs> Julia's remains, which had so long been entombed, were crumpled at the foot of the mausoleum door. Oh, Stop. baby girl. Stop. <laughs> not the way out uh, she had been buried alive i'm just imagining them with another dead person 15 years later yeah opening the door and hearing like bones sliding <laughs> yeah and just being like oh fuck oh no 
The girls remain... Oh, wait, no, sorry. I skipped an entire paragraph of terrifying nonsense. Um, it is thought that her respiratory and heart rates had dropped so low that they were undetectable by the family's physician, and so he had declared her dead. Whoops. Uh, when she was interred that day, she was merely in a coma and not dead. This led to the horrible realiza realization that she had woken up in her own tomb next to the entombed remains of long-dead family members. Oh where she was unable to escape and had to wait for her actual death to come and free her of the terror she had woken up to. Oh, my goodness. At least you can't see anything. Because you don't want to wake up and turn over and see bones. It's true. Oh, my God. It was pitch black. Yeah. She woke Which up. Which is still terrifying. It's, I, that might be worse because then you're feeling around and then you, like, put it's a... True. Oh, my. Somebody is knocking on this window right here. Well, they can go... Absolutely uh, fuck themselves. Not in the middle of a ghost story, guys. You gotta go away. <laughs> We're talking about being buried alive. You cannot knock on the window. Uh, real talk, this is not the first time that has happened. Oh, really? Um, but the last time it happened at three o'clock in the morning. <gasps> no. And I almost shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That happened to me once, but my room is in the backyard like faces the backyard so no one can get in there unless they hop the fence and it terrified me and then oh they're doing it again hold please <laughs> yeah mine was it ended up being my boyfriend and he had he did jump the fence because that's the only way to get in the backyard and he had lost his keys and he had broken his phone, so he was like, I don't know how to get home. So just, he just a hot came mess. To my house. Yeah, he just came to my house and jumped the fence. I was like, what? I was so mad. <laughs> Dude, you can't do that. <laughs> I fell asleep last weekend, um, and I knew my boyfriend was coming over, but I had fallen asleep, and then I kind of heard the door open in like a half-sleeping state, and then yeah. I woke up, and there was just a giant man in my apartment. I'm just gonna finish this goddamn story. Okay. okay. Uh <laughs> Hi. I'm Kelly. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so this bitch who got buried alive. Uh she woke up in yes. the dark. Um and as I was saying for the window tapping incident, um waking up in pitch black reaching over to try to figure out where you are and then putting your hand into a decomposing relative and realizing where you are yeah oh have you ever seen ashes before no one time when i was a kid we went to this weird i grew up in arizona and there's a lot of weird little towns and like spooky old western yeah, things. yeah, yeah. and so there was this statue of this guy playing the guitar we're taking a picture next to it. I was maybe seven years old. And I started reaching into the guitar. And I was like, what is this stuff? It's, they didn't. Ugh. And we found out the day before they had spread his ashes on that statue. And I was just like touching chunks of bone. I was like, this is like dust. But there's like, it's chunky. And this is weird. <gasps> uh, chunky dust. Was like, I don't know. Yeah, it was so gross. <laughs> like, oh, the bones don't burn all the way. Got it. <laughs> Only slightly related, but I just remembered that there have been multiple occasions when the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland has had to be shut down because people have tried spreading ashes in the ride. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's like, you could not do that, too. Like, that's yeah. also... 
And who wants that? I love the Haunted Mansion, but I don't think I'd want to subject everyone to, like, my people dust being right. on their ride. <laughs> I would just have it, I don't know, just spread it around all of Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because then no one will notice. Just, like, drop a handful here and there. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you get my headpieces in New Orleans Square. <laughs> um. So they entombed her again, and then they got they took care of the relative that had died and let them to open it. Uh, which poor dude, his yeah, his death was eclipsed by this right this bullshit. Um, still reeling from the horrible discovery at the mausoleum, the girls' family members visited the cemetery to pay their respects. Um, a while later, and when they did, the door was open. Oh no. <laughs> Thinking that the open door had to be the result of an improper, uh, improperly secured um, thing. That's a weird sentence. Anyway, they thought they secured it at the funeral. They shut it again and walked away. A few weeks later, a clergyman at the church saw the door was open and ordered it to be closed. This happened again and again and again throughout the decades. Chains and unbreakable locks were used to keep it sealed, but they would always break and the door would open. As little as 50 years ago, a door was put in that could only be removed by industrial heavy machinery. And that door was also opened. Oh, man. Just leave that door open. Julia's pissed. Yeah, let her breathe. (laughs) That's when everyone gave up trying to close the door. To this day, the original door is nothing more than broken marble that sits in the grassy doorway to the tomb. Uh, Now that there is no door to the mausoleum it is thought that julia's spirit can rest but there are still some who say that she guards the mausoleum just to make sure that nobody gets the notion to put the door back on (laughs) Uh, visitors head out to the church every year just to walk over to the cemetery and take a look at the mausoleum some report feeling an essence their word not mine around them and others claim to have captured images on their cameras that cannot be explained as for what julia thinks of it uh, she seems just fine with people visiting the tomb. Just don't shut the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that always, I never really believe when people have camera things. I know it's weird, but. No, it's. It uh, just seems like it could be explained somehow. Yes. Um, double exposure was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have all manner of shit that you can do. Right. Uh, the only thing that's even remotely believable is polaroids because they're very very hard to tamper with right yeah um and yeah. it's different if you see a figure but when there's like a weird orb of light oh and that's like, that's something that's like, just that dust be anything that's yeah. just flash and dust right yeah orbs are not a thing it was mm-hmm. when we were talking about the stanley hotel on afternoon that they encourage people in the basement to take pictures to capture orbs and it's like yes take pictures in the dark basement yeah where there's dust <laughs> Huh. Is the hotel actually haunted? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Quotation um, marks. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's actually uh, Stephen King stayed there and he had a dream that gave him the idea to write The Shining. Oh, okay. So I don't really know what's going on with that place. Um, like 30% of the hotel blew up in a gas explosion. Mm-hmm. No one died, though. Hmm. But room 217 did blow up at one point. Yeah. There's no weird naked ladies in the bathtub. Right. At least, <laughs> I mean, there could be if someone's staying in the room. I don't yeah. really know. Sometimes uh, there is. There's sometimes 
Yes. A truer statement would be there are no dead naked ladies in the bathtub <laughs> most of the time. Right. <laughs> uh, so that is uh, Julia Laguerre. And uh, she did not technically get buried alive, but she did get entombed alive, which is arguably worse. Yeah, because it's, it's just the door keeping you. It's just it's the door. It's not six feet of dirt. It's not some Buffy, I'm going to punch my way out of this coffin bullshit. Right. Because they have those, I'm sure you've heard those stories where they have the string yeah, into the coffin with the bell. burying people alive became such a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that they had a system set up for it. Yeah. Uh, I cannot imagine anything much worse than being the groundskeeper in a cemetery at night during that time period and then hearing a bell mm-hmm. and knowing that you were going to have to dig up a very upset live person. Yes. And quickly. You have to do it right away. Very quickly. So our next story is one that encompasses my biggest irrational fear. Uh, this story is titled The Spider-Man of Denver. Oh, I know this story. Yeah, this is so scary. (laughs) Yes, I wasn't doing a deep cut for this one, but it's awful. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is from a website called (laughs) nowiknow.com. You know, when you want to be terrified. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. (laughs) That I don't want to (laughs) know.com. Yes, I definitely didn't want to know the story, but I have definitely heard the story from at least three other podcasts. And it's not good every time I hear it. Uh, On October 17th, 1941, Philip Peters did not show up for dinner at his neighbor's house. The 73-year-old Denver man had been temporarily living alone in his his house. Uh, His wife was in the hospital recovering from a broken hip. So his neighbors had offered him a meal and some company. Surprised and concerned that Peters would simply skip out on the offer without a phone call or a note, the neighbors decided to call the police the next day. Police came to Peter's house to find the doors and windows locked and Peter's bludgeoned to death. Oh. Mm. No one else was found in the house, yet there were no obvious ways for anyone to enter or exit. The mystery of the murder at the house on Moncrief Place seemed unsolvable. Murder at the house. That's a long, weird sentence, but whatever. I'm not here to copy edit. Uh, matters became worse when Peter's is... Peter's is? Peter's is. Yes, the wife like of Jesus's. the wife of Peters <laughs> returned home and was now living in the house with a housekeeper. The previously quiet house was now anything but. Strange noises rang a day, rang day or night, seeming. All right, now I know dot com. <laughs> now I know, I know grammar. Now I know that you can't write. Uh, strange noises rang day or night, seemingly indiscriminate towards the events of the day. Neighbors and passersby attested to seeing something in the house when the residents were not. This was sometimes written off as pranksters at play. What kind of prank is that? That's a beanie. Yeah. That's not only beanie, but it's a murder, too. <laughs> oh, those neighborhood kids. They're always murdering and... <laughs> maybe maybe call the police. Yeah. <laughs> maybe tell someone. You see something? Say yeah. something. Say something. Now you um, know. Dot com. But other times, as an apparition stalking the ground where a man was murdered, but uh, play but other times as an apparition stalking the ground where a man was murdered. They thought it was the ghost. The old man mm-hmm. is the, <laughs> yeah. The housekeeper moved out quickly thereafter, believing that a ghost, be it Mr. Peters or his assailants haunted the Peters abode. Uh, Mr. Mrs. Peters soon followed moving to the Western part of the state to live with her son. 
And now it's not included in this particular story, but the housekeeper actually moved out because she was going down the back stairs and she said that she saw a ghoul uh, that like growled at her. Oh. Which I feel is very important to the ghostly nature of the yes. story. It's not just like, oh, some glasses were moved around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like she uh, saw something. She saw a ghoul and was like, later days, bitch, and then mm-hmm. moved. And then um, Mrs. Peters moved out uh, far away from the house. Yeah. Uh, undaunted, the police continued the investigation of the murder, if not the paranormal activity alleged, and made occasional trips to the house, now unoccupied. On one July evening in 1942, nine months after the murder, officers stationed across the house saw something or someone inside the house peeking out a window. The officers went inside and heard a click uh, coming from the attic. One ran upstairs and saw them, legs, trying to crawl into a small cigar box shaped trap door. Oh, that's so small. I think is a rectangle. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Leading into a hidden closet the size of a small coffin. That man was Theodore Edward Coney's, a 59-year-old homeless man who Mr. Peters had made the acquaintance of 30 years earlier. Whoa. Uh, And he wasn't hiding in the closet. He was living there. Upon capture, Coney's confessed to the details of the crime. He had come by the Peters' house, unannounced and unexpected, in September of 1941. Keep in mind that Mr. Peters died in October. Uh, five weeks before Mr. Peters' Peters's murder. His original intent was to ask for some money, but upon finding the home empty, decided to help himself to some food. Oh, you know, everybody does that. Always <laughs> lock your doors, people. Yeah. Uh, he came across the trap door and, fearing that he would not survive another Colorado winter, winter outdoors, turned the trap door closet into his makeshift home. Okay, so this man... Knocked on the door. No one was home. Opened the door. Cool. Just Mm -hmm. in the house now. Yeah. Poked around enough to the point where he found a secret passage in a closet. Yeah. And didn't even think, well, I'll just wait until my friend, because they know each other. Yeah, yeah. They had met. They're friendly, at least. He could have just waited a beat and then (sighs) asked the guy, and the guy probably would have given him something. Yeah. Um, on October 17th, Coney's decided to take something from Peters's icebox when Peters was still home. Peters attempted to subdue the man, but failed. And uh, Coney's, realizing that he was about to be ev- evicted from his tiny home, uh, murdered Peters. Uh, Coney's uh, pseudo apartment featured an ironing board stuffed with magazines as a bed, a single incandescent bulb. Uh, police detective stated that a man would have to be a spider in order to, su- to survive the tight spot Coney's called home. In light of this, the local press nicknamed Coney's the Denver Spider-Man. Uh, Coney's went to prison. <laughs> yeah. Probably a better situation, actually, in yes. prison compared to the walls. Um, yeah. Uh, I've seen pictures of the room, which it's, this is going to make for great audio. But yeah. <laughs> it, it really adds something to it. It's tiny. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. I am very f- fearful of something living in my walls. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever had... We used to have a chimney in my childhood home that uh, birds would get stuck in. Ooh. And so you would just hear like oh, scratching God. and it was so scary. And then my parents would have to open the thing and we would just have these gross pigeons and stuff inside of our house. Mm, no, thank but you. Nothing ever 
in, oh no, my hamster one time when I was 10, my hamster got out and I lost it and I was so sad. And then three days later, she chewed through my parents' bedroom wall <laughs> and she had been living in the walls <laughs> for a while, for a couple days. <laughs> Chewed through the wall. Yeah, all of a sudden, like, because we looked everywhere, like, that thing is gone. We, she must have gotten out or something. We're freaking out. And then all of a sudden, her head just popped out of the wall. <laughs> she was fine after that. <laughs> I mean, she definitely seen some shit. She's seen some shit, but. Uh, there's his. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically crawl space. Yeah, it's like a triangular shape. I yeah. was expecting cigar box shape. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I don't know what that shape uh, yeah, it just is. sounds like a, a rectangle. rectangle. Uh, which seems more comfortable, but a triangle. Yeah, because it's like the it, eaves of the house. Yeah. Because from what I hear it described as, it was like in the ceiling of an attic, or I mean of a closet. So he was in that crawl space. And when they were like chasing him the police officer just like grabbed the legs and kept pulling until he couldn't hold on any longer yeah oh yeah um someone submitted a story from reddit that i didn't end up reading but it merits (laughs) repeating sort of um this person kept waking up to find notes on his desk like threatening notes i just read this on creep hub the other day yeah and then he set up the webcam and then he found that the webcam stuff had been deleted from a certain point uh and so he was worried that his like landlord was stalking him and finally he realized that there was a carbon monoxide leak in his apartment and he had been yeah he had ga- been doing literally it. gaslighting himself yeah oh that's so scary though i can't imagine waking up and just seeing notes and he said it wasn't his handwriting either. yeah yeah Ugh, i don't like that <laughs> should probably always get your carbon monoxide detector yeah. test um all right we have two more stories why is uh living things living in the wall terrifying to you honestly it is a recent thing that has started to, to bother me. Cause like being buried alive, that's a general survival thing. Mm-hmm. But a couple years ago, I watched a movie called the pact hmm. I don't know where, uh, this girl's mom died. So she moved into the house and then like weird ghost shit started happening. And, uh, so they kind of tracked that down and it turned out that her murder uncle was still alive and living underneath the house. Oh. And then he almost murdered her. Oh my goodness. And yeah. then there's like an episode of Supernatural where there's like a backwoods like incest family living in the walls of this house and mm-hmm. the like stories on Reddit and stuff about we found this pile of shit behind a wall in our house. Someone was living there. Right. It's just the idea of someone being there and not knowing about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just read another. Creep Hub is one of my favorite. I follow it on Instagram. It's just like a one paragraph scary story, Ooh. basically. And there was one, I think in Scotland, this girl was laying on her bed talking on the phone with her boyfriend and she dropped the phone and she went to pick it up and she saw an arm or a leg or something underneath her bed. So, but she could tell it was like a man that was turned away from her. So she just played it cool. She picked up the phone. She's like, oh, whoops, I accidentally dropped my phone. And she's like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So she went in the bathroom and while she was in there, she's like, oh, my God, there's someone under my bed. Because she's on her on the phone the yeah, whole yeah. time. 
So she got out of the window and then uh, called 911 right away. And when they came over, there was a man standing outside of the bathroom with a knife waiting for her to come out. So it was a homeless man. Absolutely fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. It was a homeless man that had kind of the same thing, was just hiding out under there. And then as soon as he realized that she saw him, he was like, I guess murder now. (laughs) Murder's never the answer. (laughs) No. But I guess if you're so desperate and you're like, well, I got caught. I'm going to jail anyway. (laughs) I don't know. Um. Yeah, I'm very glad I'm not going to be living alone soon. Uh, yeah, it's one of the most nerve wracking things. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think it was like last summer. I was in my kitchen. It was like midnight, and I heard someone start to like trying to open my door. Mm-hmm. Immediately started to panic, but I was like, they probably just got the wrong door. I'll just hang out in here. Yeah. <laughs> until they stop. Um, and then I texted my boyfriend, and they kept doing it for like. <gasps> several minutes and i was finally like what the fuck do i do and he's like you tell them to go away or you're or you'll call the police so i grabbed a butter knife because why not i creep up to the door i'm like if you don't stop i'll call the cops and i heard someone mumble and it stopped uh and then the next day came home from work and there is a dozen donuts and an apology note sitting outside my door because it was a drunk person (laughs) oh And every door in this building looks the same. Oh, really? That's so scary, though. Yeah, it's hard when there's not that one rational person who's not afraid of everything Mm -hmm. to be like, you tell them to stop. Yeah, yeah. Usually I'm the rational person, but if I'm alone, I just freak out. Yeah. Instantly. I can't defend myself. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a piece of rebar right behind my door. (laughs) The scariest of building equipment. Yeah. Like just in case, just have it right here. But yeah, I can't trust the cat to protect me. No, you saw what she was like with strangers. <laughs> I had a mouse in my apartment about a year ago, <laughs> and my cat found it, and she kept picking it. It was a tiny little field mouse, uh, but I don't want it in my apartment. Of course not. <laughs> you know, so she kept picking it up and then just throwing it in the air and yeah. playing with it. No, that's what she does with mice. Yeah. Um, one, like I had a, a mouse problem like two years ago and uh one day i went to put on my boot and my foot hit something i'm like oh i must have left a sock in there and then i put my hand in and i pulled out a very dead mouse oh, <laughs> um <this> was dead. <laughs> uh, and then a couple days later i saw her playing with something and she like takes this mouse and drops it on the middle of the rug and like she'd reach over and like bop it and the mouse was alive like its back legs didn't work but he was still hanging on and i was like i can't watch her murder this animal yeah so i airlifted him outside uh gave him a trader joe's cracker (laughs) and he passed peacefully yes but she was just a little sociopath just messing with him like she wouldn't kill him right that's yeah i assume i was like just kill the thing and she wouldn't even break the legs or anything so it just kept running and running so i couldn't catch it either and it was like this two hour long. I was like, we are just, <laughs> this poor mouse is suffering. I had to end up spraying it with raid because I couldn't get to slow oh down. And I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I hate it. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I'm trying to let you go. Yeah, I would rather her be a murderer than some like yeah. James McAvoy and split like mm. nonsense. <laughs> it's their nature. 
like having a little Buffalo Bill. It is, yeah. You're a monster. <laughs> um, our next story is the tale of the Bunny Man. Okay, I don't know this. Or the Bunny Man Bridge, specifically. Um, it's an urban legend. I say this like the other. Well, one story was real. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this like the stuff I do is like, this is fact and not at all made up. But um, <laughs> after the Civil War in Fairfax County, Virginia, which as a sidebar, uh, Virginia and West Virginia just fucking crawling with cryptids. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's where they make them. I think so. <laughs> fucking Mothman. Fairfax County, Virginia became more populated after the Civil War, and eventually uh, an insane asylum was built there, because that's how you start a town. You get your general store, your bank, Mm -hmm. your insane asylum. And then a school. And then the school. (laughs) Uh, No one wanted to live near the asylum, and because of the public outrage, the institution was shut down. Sure. Yeah. That's a good idea. We don't want them. They always are shut down. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem to last long. Yeah, because we had one out here, and it's uh, the mental hospital. Yeah. Uh, have you been to that one in Salem? I have not personally been oh, to it. I've heard so cool. many stories. Yeah, it's real neat, but also very scary. Um, yeah, as a general statement, they are mostly shut down because uh, no one knows how to run them. Yeah, they're all not well, and they're l- not kind to their patients. Yeah, and in this thing. period, this is when, like, female hysteria was a reason to commit someone so mm-hmm. it was probably just a building full of upset women right or depression or depression and then they're like shocking people mm. and waterboarding you're like you can't do that that's the real horror story is the mental health crisis in the united states yes uh so they shut down the the mental institution because people are like we don't want them crazies around here mm-hmm. i assume that's how they sound in virginia uh, the administration transferred the pa- patients, and in 1904, the process was completed. Uh, during the transfer, some of the patients escaped and hid in the surrounding woods and forest. These individuals were lost, delusional, and dangerous. Uh, most of them were found, except for Marcus Loster and Douglas Griffin. Those are good criminal names. They are, yeah. So they were patients. They were patients that escaped, and they couldn't find them in the woods. Okay. Uh, the local authorities found a trail they believe belonged to them, uh, littered with half-eaten, mutilated bunnies. Okay, I only glanced at this story before I <laughs> copied and pasted it from urbanlegendsonline.com. <laughs> I wish they had said rabbits instead of bunnies. <laughs> yeah, bunnies implies cute. <laughs> also, half-eaten. Half-eaten. <laughs> I don't know which half would be the worst, because if it's the top half, then you have to eat the bunny face. But if it's the bottom half, then you're eating a bunny ass. (laughs) (laughs) One's gross, one is sad. I don't know which one's technically worse. Just bunnies. Just bunnies. Um, Maybe there was like a surplus bunny population in these specific woods outside of Fairfax County, Virginia. Uh, the trail led deep into the woods to a tunnel bridge crossing a wide creek. Okay, so I'm just going to pick this story apart right now. Um, so like they found the this trail. They found a trail and they were like, oh, this trail belongs to these two escaped criminals. But it led to a pre-existing structure. Mm-hmm. So was this structure just out in the woods without a trail leading to it? Or 
Right. Yeah. Or is that a known trail for a lot of different people? To go yeah. Through? Or did these two insane people build a tunnel bridge in the woods yeah. and then a trail leading to it? <laughs> if so. It was constructed out of bunny bones, which is weird, but. <laughs> bunny bone tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think they just made it. I'm going to regret saying this as soon as I say it, but Rabbit Hole is a great name for a bunny butthole. (laughs) Just to call back a little bit to like five seconds ago. (laughs) Yeah, and I very much regret that I said those words. (sighs) I'm just going to title this episode Bunny Butthole and see what happens. It's better than Rabbit Hole because that just sounds like... (laughs) you're being philosophical but it's certainly about bunny buttholes we are going very far down the bunny hole with this one got a real b-hole situation (laughs) (laughs) um so they found uh this tunnel bridge crossing a wide creek uh there they found marcus i really buried the lead with this one there they found marcus hanging from the tunnel entrance oh no um was it the bunny? Yes. Uh, there was a note attached to his foot that said, you'll never find me no matter how hard you try, signed the bunny man. Oh, no. That tunnel has been called Bunny Man Bridge ever since. But he didn't eat his friend, just he, the bunny. He just ate the bunnies. Okay. Because I think it was kind of like a Siler from Heroes situation. Yeah. Where he ate the bunnies, so he took on the powers of the bunnies. Yes. You know, hopped away, hopping, <laughs> fluffy butt wiggling, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, the legend says that if you walk all the way down the tunnel at midnight, the bunny man will grab you and hang you from the entrance of the bridge. How do they know that? Who's, Who's standing off to the side of the clipboard like, OK, Harold, <laughs> it's three two, midnight. Go. <laughs> ah, yes. That's five tests. I think we can say it's fact. (laughs) Strange deaths and phenomena have been connected with the Bunny Man Bridge. There was a young man from Clifton, Virginia, who came upon the bridge while traveling. Later, he killed his parents and dragged their bodies into the woods to hang them from the bridge and then killed himself. Doesn't seem like the Bunny Man's fault. Yeah, that's definitely just a him problem. Yeah. Uh, In 1943... Three teenagers, two men and a young mo- woman, were at the Bunny Man Bridge for Halloween night. All right, well, that, there's your mistake. Yeah. Uh, three youths were found dead, hung from the bridge with their bodies slashed open, all with notes attached to their feet saying the same thing. You'll never catch the Bunny Man. Just stay away. I never understand those people that are like, let's go to this cemetery at night. It's like, well, maybe don't. Why? How old is the Bunny Man, though? Yeah. Because... Those two dudes, and I assume the bunny man is Douglas Griffin, because they found Marcus's body. Mm-hmm. So they were moved from the insane asylum in 1904. And one would have to assume oh, they were like, I don't know, at least in their 20s. Right. And, and then, then 43. 43. So that's like a 60 some year old man who's just living mm-hmm. on bunny meat for 40 years. <laughs> Murdering youths. Yeah. <laughs> and hanging them with what? Branches? Um, 
In 2001, after hearing the tale, six local students and a guide searched the area. They found mutilated bunny parts during their search and left the forest after they heard noises and saw figures moving around in the woods. Probably all the fucking bunnies that live in those yeah. woods. It's probably just six bunnies in a trench coat. Probably just stacked up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we are sick of people. Yeah. We are coming around, fucking they, with our tunnel. <laughs> they tip their little hat and they write a note. <laughs> Back to Spider-Man. Okay, so our last story is kind of a short one, but it has to do with uh, I do not like being touched by strangers. Mm. Uh, I do not either. Or people I know very well. Yeah. I, I need to be warned. Yeah. I'm not a I hugger. I have to be pretty close to you for you to be able to touch me. My boss touched my arm today, and yeah. I stiffened up, and I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Uh, I used to work retail, and sometimes customers would like put their hand on my shoulder, and it's just like, don't. Doris, no. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh. Um, so this is the story of Huggin' Molly from a website called theparanormalsite.com. <laughs> really pulling from the finest sources yeah. here. Solid name. Um, in the town of Abbeville, and I assume it's Abbeville, uh, in Alabama, uh, there is a legend of Huggin' Molly. Molly is said to be a phantom-like, seven-foot-tall, large woman dressed in black with a large-brimmed hat. Stylish. Uh, she is also described as being about as big as around as a cotton bale, which is a very Alabama unit of measure. Yeah, I don't know. What I don't know means. what the fuck a cotton bale is. How big is that? <laughs> so like pretty, a bale of hay, but of cotton. Maybe she's seven feet tall, and if she's proportionately large, that's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you know how big a cotton bale is, please write in to boohahapod at gmail dot com. Uh, Hug and Molly is said to roam the streets of Abbeville after dark. Legends say she will appear to children, squeeze them tight, and then scream in their ear. That's rude. Yeah. Uh, other than this, she is said to not have harmed them. Except mentally. Yeah. <laughs> there are also tales of how she hugged some to death. Okay. Falls very squarely under the category Is this of like harm. an of mice and men situation? <laughs> like she just... She just loves them well, so much. She just wants to pet the rabbits, George, and that's it. But it's children. <laughs> Instead of a hot wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a story that says Molly is the ghost of a woman who lost her child and dealt with the sorrow of this loss by hugging other children. <laughs> the story is so dumb. <laughs> there's also a woman in black that is said to haunt, haunt, to haunt the streets of Abbeville, but she is a different entity entirely. Oh, this is. You better hope you get the hugging woman in black. Then yeah. uh, There's an account from Mark Gregory, Mac Gregory, sorry, uh, born in 1901, who at the time of his encounter was a teenager. After work one day, he realized someone was following him in the dark. When he turned to see who it was, he could barely make out a tall black robed figure in the darkness. As he sped up to outpace the figure, the figure increased its speed to match. This continued until he could see his home. He then sprinted up the steps and opened the door and went inside. Okay, so someone followed it home. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, to this day, the locals still claim these types of encounters still occur. Um, there's a cafe in downtown Abbeville that celebrates the legend of Hug and Molly, and its name is uh, Hug and Molly's. <laughs> its menu uh, includes items like Molly Fingers. Uh. <laughs> yup. Uh, so those are our stories. Um, do you have any creepy occurrences? 
I do. People who've lived in your walls. No one's lived in my walls except for the hamster that I know of. Um, I did have, so the house that my parents still live in is the house that I grew up mm-hmm. in my whole life. So they've been there for like 30, longer than I've been alive. So over 30 years. Yeah. And uh, my whole life, I would always see this white figure move from the hallway to the front door, left to right, my whole life. When I was sitting in the living room, I would see it. And it happened sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, sometimes in the middle of the day. So I always just thought it was like cars passing by and we had a really big window. Yeah. So I thought it was cars like reflecting or something, but it would happen all different times of the day. And then just about, I was visiting my mom like a few years ago, maybe three or four Uh years ago. And we're sitting in the living room and she goes, have you ever seen a white figure? And I was like, what? How have we never talked about this before? But I always see it from left to right. And she always sees it from right to left. But when she described it, it was exactly what I saw. It's like a six foot tall man, all white, like no no clothes or no distinguishing features, just an all white figure. But it's definitely a tall man. And it only walks in one direction, but we see it in opposite directions. Uh, my absolute favorite thing is when I ask a guest if they have a ghost story before the show. And they're like, ah, no, not really. And then they pull out this shit. Because <laughs> there's nothing else to it. We just see it and we're like, well, I guess it's never bothered us. I guess your us, house so. is haunted. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, my parents had that house built in like 85 or whatever. So there's. I assume there was something on the land beforehand. Maybe. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we had that thing at the house that I grew up in. Like, my parents had it built, and then we added on to it um, in the, like, mid-90s. And my dad would always swear that he could see something in their bedroom uh, in the new addition to the house. And it's weird, because, like, it's not. It's a new house. Right. Um he never saw anything specific, and I think my dad is a little nuts because he also <laughs> believes in aliens, but that's, uh. I mean, I believe in aliens too, just not ones that are like, hey guys on Earth, right? Let's not ones chill. hanging out. Not yeah. ones who are doing like probing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, new house. So that's always yeah. weird, but I guess you have to assume that there's always something that's been there before you. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Could be anything. Hmm. Or six foot tall white man. We don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So there, there was that. That's the only one that's like, that might be a ghost. <laughs> um, the other one is I lived in Seoul, South Korea for a year. I taught English there. Huh. And I lived in an abandoned hospital, which is <laughs> so scary. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the way that it works there is if you work at like a preschool which a lot of people from america that go over there to teach english that's what they do you work start early yeah yeah and you don't have to have a a specific degree you just have to have a college degree and you can do it it's very easy to get that job and it's good money and they they put you up so they get to choose where you live that's the only bad thing (laughs) they chose an abandoned hospital they chose an abandoned hospital that had belonged to their family and it was right across the street from the school um, but it failed somehow, like years before. It's but, never good when a hospital fails because there's a lot of bad yeah. juju that's probably hanging out in there. Exactly. And it was a female hospital, we figured out. And they hadn't cleared out like most of it. It was four floors plus a basement <sighs> and a Christ. rooftop. 
Yeah. And only seven of us lived there. And we only lived on two of the floors. So when you walked in, the first floor had medical records and like a reception, but nobody lived there. It was just empty. So that was always scary to come home. And I'd come home at four o'clock in the morning by myself. And so terrifying. (laughs) And then the second floor, same thing. Nobody lived there. It was just empty, like operating rooms and stuff. And then the third floor is where I lived and the fourth floor is where all the boys lived. And so I was taking a shower one time and well, I guess there's two stories. So everyone would always say, Oh, before you moved here, that your room was, oof. but they would never tell me what was there. <laughs> they were just like, Oh yeah, we don't want to tell you. <laughs> and then finally one of my roommates got drunk and he was like, well, that was where all of the chemicals and medicines were. And they just left them in there. And then when you moved in, they took them away, but they didn't really clean the room. So you're radioactive is what you're yeah, saying. Okay. Basically. <laughs> and then I was taking a shower one day and oh, through the intercom, I heard my name. Someone was whispering. They're like, Kelly, Kelly. It was so, and it was a voice I didn't recognize. And I was home alone. Everybody else had gone out. Fuck all of this. So, and I'm in the shower, which is the worst place to be when you're being scared. <laughs> so I was just like, oh my goodness, what do I do? So I, I stayed in the bathroom. I just locked myself in and I kept hearing it, kept hearing it. And then finally I heard a giggle in the oh, background fuck that. and I was like, really? Oh no. And they had figured out in the basement, there was an intercom system and they had figured out how to use it. Cause we had been trying, but no one could get it. So I was like, I know this thing is broken. I know that it's not my roommates. And then I heard when I heard the giggle, I was like, ah, fuck you guys. <laughs> And we would find random clothes. So we had made up this idea of this guy, Mr. Kim, lived there. And we had made up this whole thing. So they were like, it's Mr. Kim. And I was like, no, it's real. But it was them. And then eventually we figured out how to put music on the intercom. And then we just had really cool parties there. (laughs) (laughs) But it was probably the most scared I've ever been. I Yeah. Yeah. I always found that giving a name to the thing you think is haunting the place is the uh, worst idea. Yeah. Because um, you think it's silly. It's, it turns out. Uh, we, we went camping last summer and uh, I did mushrooms for the first time, mm-hmm. which was great until we tried to go to sleep. And my brain was like, mm, no, we're not quite done with this yet. Yeah. Um, so I got super paranoid in the tent in the pitch black. And uh, I was like, I hear something. And then Travis, my boyfriend, is like, yeah, it's probably just Bob. (sighs) (laughs) And I had also been watching a lot of Twin Peaks at the time. I did not sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Once you personify it, then you can come up with a backstory real easily. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, fucking Bob. God damn it. (laughs) Great stories. Thank you. First abandoned (laughs) hospital. Yeah. It was... At first, I hated it, but I ended up loving it so much. And then right before Halloween, we were going to throw this huge Halloween party. We had been there for like nine months at this point. So we had a bunch of friends. Everyone was like, oh, man, your place is the coolest. You have two full floors that we could party on. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Nobody lives there. You could just go upstairs and go to bed. So we had this big plan for Halloween. We're like, oh, man, abandoned hospital Halloween. This is great. And then our boss kicked us out 
two weeks before Halloween with two days notice. They were just like, you're moving. Get out of here. Jesus. And they moved us into this really crummy place. Uh, and they sold it to a hair dressing company. I think it was a school slash salon okay. kind of thing. Because I was like, why do they need four floors? Why can't they just have the first two floors and we'll have the top two? Yeah. Um, but no, they, they used the whole thing. But then the first floor was used for a campaign for some politician. Landlords are shitty in every country. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> So they just sold it out from under us. I'm like, okay, but you still have to find us a place to live. And then they just moved us to this crummy place. It's hard to imagine something worse than an abandoned hospital, but yeah. it sounds like a pretty... It was. Like, we, I tried to hang up something because there was no... I lived in a place so small, I measured it with shoes. It was seven shoes <laughs> by four shoes with a bed and a sink and a washer. And then my bathroom, like the toilet was also the shower. Ah, what? Yeah. What? So it was just one little space. There was no door. And there was just a shower head over the toilet. <laughs> so you had to like put away everything before you took a shower. <laughs> so I tried to hang something next to my bed so I could hang up some clothes or something. There's nothing there. And uh, it fell right away. And then it was glowing. And I looked through and you could see the street. That's how thin the walls were. <laughs> I'm still not over the toilet shower yeah, thing. That sucked. I guess then you have to like move your toilet paper and your toothbrush and everything every time you take a shower. So I ended up just buying a box and just putting everything away. Yeah. I mean, I can see where it might come in handy at some point. Yeah. Then I had mold. Okay. Grow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I didn't notice it until I moved to home. And I was only there for four months, but when I moved to my bed, I saw this black mold right next to my bed. And I was like, oh, great. And I moved home and I was coughing for like another six months after that. <laughs> like, well, that can't be good, but here we are. You're not dead, so. I'm not dead, no. And that was a while ago. Couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, do you want to tell us about uh, your podcast and where we can find you sure. on the internets and if you have anything coming up yeah um so the podcast is called bugaboo and it's kind of like this we talk about uh what people are scared of and we play a couple games and that's about it we just it's say good stuff what good are stuff. you terrified of yeah <laughs> and because everybody's scared of something so that's it's fun to find out it's easier to to talk about it when you can make fun of it yes yeah yeah, we definitely don't help people get over their fears. <laughs> We're just like, oh, you should be scared of that. It's that's bad. You're yeah. Scared of elevators? Yeah, those fucking things Oof. break all the time. Yeah, Why let's you... read some stories about how often they break. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. Uh, and then, and we've been taking kind of a hiatus, but we're going to come back with some new episodes probably next week. Actually, we're nice, just talking nice, about nice, it. Nice. Yeah. And then, um, let's see. Online on Twitter, I'm at Kellyanne R. And then Facebook, I'm just Kelly Richardson. You can find me. Uh, and the only, I've been kind of taking a, a hiatus from comedy too, just because work's been kind of crazy. Yeah. But um, every month, David Moscoro and I, who's also my co-host for Bugaboo, we run a comedy open mic that's also bingo. <laughs> it's the first Sunday of every month at Spare Room. And it's fun. You can win silly prizes and, you know, you don't have to do comedy. You can just come play bingo. It's mm -hmm. free. So, yeah, that's about it. it and that's from, fun. I think, aren't you on the You Gonna Meow? I am, yes. Yes. So they sponsor our show, the 
bingo show. So they give a gift card. You can win. The final one is a $25 gift card. So it's a comedy open mic where you can win money, which never Yeah, happens. I mean, I've always come out of comedy open mics with significantly less money than I started with. Yes. Especially when they were doing the that one at Splash Bar and you could buy drinks in a bucket. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we're on the You Get a Meow podcast network. There are yes. other shows on that network that you can listen to, I'm sure. Yeah. We're not on the network. They just... Uh, they just sponsor our bingo show. So they're they're good fun. people. Yes. They host this show. They host my bullshit. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, if you want to email us your ghost story, just in case, maybe if you think that would be a good idea, listeners, <laughs> you should, uh, you can email them to boohahapod at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at boohahapod. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash boohahapod. Um, Let's see. Next month, normal show. October, I'm doing another show on location. We're going to Toronto, um, where a listener slash a friend of mine. I did not just go into random listeners' houses. Uh, she will show me around Toronto, and it'll be kind of like the Minneapolis episode. St. Paul. Sorry, we were in St. Paul. Oh. There's a difference. Um, so hopefully we'll go look at some haunted stuff in Toronto. And if not, I will just take you guys on an audio tour of all the shooting locations from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> anyway, I will see you guys next month. I will talk to you guys next month. I'm really bad at ending podcasts. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>